eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Welcome Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. And we are still recovering from that post-draft hangover. Mm-hmm. Uh, plenty of stuff to talk about besides uh, the drafted players in the fact that it was quite interesting news a Saints tight end asking to be traded from the team uh, got some another ad addition to the team and an undrafted free agent and we'll get to some interesting comments from our very own Cajun Cannon Bobby Abair making on Sports Talk some bold predictions already Jeff for some guys on this roster yes Bobby is never shy about making takes although I told I said the same thing when he was like Andy Dalton's gonna start for this team and I was like right exactly and then he ended up starting 14 games so maybe I'm the crazy one but yeah we're gonna get into that in the third segment in the second segment play a interview that I got with Cam Jordan it was prior to the draft but this is just the first chance I mentioned in the last episode is their first chance to really play it in, in its entirety. I thought it was a really entertaining interview personally. So uh, I wanted to make sure we played that entire thing for you. So you get that in the second segment. But yeah, first segment here, we're going to talk about Adam Troutman. I want to talk about Cesar Ruiz. And then obviously that new undrafted free agent that they brought in. And the, the first thing we're going to get into is, okay, so Adam Troutman requested a trade, or at least that's what he said. It's a little different from... What we heard from Dennis Allen, who kind of indicated that it wasn't really developing until like midway through the draft, whereas Adam said that he had kind of floated this out there a few weeks ago. I'm more inclined to believe Adam in this case because I don't like DA is not going to want to air the dirty laundry. Adam doesn't care anymore. So he's willing to be like, yeah, this was my idea. 
and and I I think that news was kind of greeted with oh what a you know what a jerk you know blah blah blah. I honestly don't mind it. Like I I feel like he did get passed over. Like he did have a job and it was given to someone else. He got beat out for it. I would want to leave too. And and like I don't mind trade requests as long as the trade request is not preceded by being a bad teammate or else, right? Right. Like Anthony Davis, when he made the trade request, right. It was followed by weeks and weeks of kind of half playing, pouting, flipping off fans, wearing t-shirts that may or may not have been like a passive aggressive message. Like I never got that impression from Trout when he was always in the locker room. He was always willing to talk. I don't know what was going on behind the scenes, but if all he did was say, Hey guys, I'm not really happy with my role. I think I could be more than a blocking tight end. If you can find a way to ship me out of here, I'd really appreciate it. I don't mind that. And he's getting a lot of grief on the internet. I feel like he handled it about as well as he could personally. To me, I thought of the news of hearing him requesting the trade to the saints made me think that the team went, you know what? It's, it's kind of funny. You mentioned that Adam, because we were thinking the same thing too. I don't know. Obviously, I think it's a case, too, where it's pretty clear that Troutman is a Sean Payton guy. Dennis Allen kind of clearing the deck a little and saying, all right, you know what? Let me send one of his guys off to Denver, get something in return. And heck, you know, it it really, uh, I know, made us happy in the media, the fact that they packaged Troutman in that seventh rounder to move up. To get to get you know rid of another pick, so we didn't have to wait so long. But it in general really was a, a smart move for the team because it didn't seem like Troutman was a fit at all last year. I know he suffered that concussion early yeah. on, but just never seemed to find his way in this offense. No, he was getting he, his role was getting diminished and diminished, at least in terms of being a receiving tight end. Right, and right. whether you think it should have been a bigger role, clearly he did. And I do think that once you make that trade request, right, like once you Float it that it's like you would rather be somewhere else. The team has to make a decision. Are you going to try to keep this guy around, possibly disgruntled, not may, maybe not putting in the work that you would want to see from him? Because he's he's made it clear, like he has put it out there, and now it's your decision whether you want to allow that to fester or not. Now I don't know if the team was always planning to trade him or if that's just something that developed when they saw At Perry was available because that's the player they got with that pick. They moved up from two fifty seven to 195 and they sent Troutman out to hang out with Sean in Denver and a bunch of former teammates, right? Like it is not the, he's not the only former saint in Denver right now. They also have little Jordan Humphrey. They have Marquez Calloway. They have Tony Jones jr. I think they have at least one more. I think Chris Manhurts is a former saint. Declan Doyle is also the tight ends coach. And so it doesn't surprise me that Sean was like, yeah, yeah, bring him in. Like, even if it's just a guy who can help teach his new players, like the, the the terminology he wants to use and like how the playbook's going to work when someone who's done it in another position group is helpful. So I think that's where you're looking at. But again, like I think Troutman, he struggled to fill the role that they had hoped he would fill. And it never quite worked. It was that 2020 draft where I think you were kind of taking shots in the dark a little bit. They traded the back half of their board to go up and get him. So I think whenever that happens, there's going to be a little bit more expectation placed upon a player. He's going into year four, and he knows, based on the contract they handed Jawan Johnson, that he is going to be the number one tight end, not Troutman. It's going to be Jawan Johnson. So you're going into a contract year, and you're not going to get the opportunity, right? And this is just me saying, like, I think that he handled it about as well as you could. 
Because you can't just not play. You can't just not show up. All you can do is say, hey, can you guys find another spot for me? And they did. They brought in a player they liked. I mean, I, I don't have any ill feelings toward Adam Troutman. I hope the best for him. I hope he's successful out in Denver. I I don't know. Like I saw like some of the reactions on the internet was like, you know, oh, blah, blah, what a jerk. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't see it. He did take a pay cut too to go to Denver. Yeah. Well, to, to restructured well, it, I guess. For him, like you look at his situation, he wants to get another contract. What kind of contract was he going to sign if he was the blocking tight end for the Saints next year and caught 20 passes? Like, no, it was not going to happen. And you look out in Denver, I don't know how much faith Sean has in Greg Dolchich. He didn't draft him. Troutman might be the, the starting tight end there. You don't know how Russell Wilson's going to going to fit in with that situation, but he's going to have a chance to compete with a second-year tight end who was not drafted highly, right? Like he was a third-round pick too, I believe. So for him, I think it's a much better situation to be in, whereas the die was already cast in New Orleans. Like it was not going to be a situation that, that led to him getting a lot of a lot of chances. If anything, he might have gotten fewer chances this year than he did last year, which was obviously a light season for him. I think he had 22, 22 catches. He played in 15 games. So, Yeah, and you, you mentioned you know wishing him the best kind of perspective. And I, I think this uh, pretty much for all the media members – appreciate the access that he was always willing to give. Right. Even even when he was hurt, he was still kind of hanging out and would talk to you when a lot of players, when they are injured, won't say a peep. So I, I don't know. I, I think that, that the the situation is a bit overblown in terms of every time someone asks for a trade, it's like a personal insult to the fan base. I don't think that's what it was. No, it's not, not at he all, just right? wasn't getting He wasn't getting the role that he had hoped for, and he wants to get it somewhere else. So good luck. I do think like we're going to have to figure out what's going on at tight end. Because there's no way, like Dennis Allen can say they feel good about where they're at at the position. All he wants, no freaking way do you feel good about that position group with just Jawan Johnson there. Because that's what you have right now. Jawan Johnson, a UDFA from last year who didn't play, and a guy you said was a tight end that you never actually played at tight end. So, oh, and Joel Wilson, a UDFA out of Central Michigan, Right. Um, and then some other dude I've never heard of. Like, they have to bring somebody in, and it's just right. a matter of – Right. You got another UDFA from last year, obviously, with Lucas Kroll, and there's another yes. player yeah. that I saw on the roster, and I was like, wait a minute, who is that? I don't even know when they signed him. He just appeared on the roster. I don't even right. know if they announced it. <laughs> he just was there. Like, I'll, I'll, let me look it up. Miller Forstall. Yes, Miller oh. Forstall. When did he show up? Like, I, I, I just looked at the it roster. It might be Chip Forstall's brother. I don't know. But like I, I just like looked up the roster, and and he was just there, and I was like, where the fuck did he come from? Like he was just like, when did they sign him? He was definitely. I'm glad it. I didn't feel this. I felt the same way. So I'm glad it did. That one crept up on me too. But yeah, a guy from, out of Alabama too. I figured I would have you know at least remembered that much about him. <laughs> like this is what it would be like if no one covered the team. <laughs> and they would just sign people, and all of a sudden you'd be like, who the heck is this guy? <laughs> like, huh? I think that's why it's it's funny because like normally they sign somebody and there's at least like a NOAA.com article or a Saints News Network article saying, oh, they signed this random guy that no one really cares about. In this case, it was just like ships in the night. Just anyway. Yeah, I'm looking up to like January. I, I don't even know his name. Like I've never even heard of him. January 28th, I'm seeing dogs by nature putting out the news. Browns lose Miller Forstall signs with Saints. I guess he was on the, the uh, Browns practice squad and they janked him from there. Great. That's exciting. I, I can't wait. Can't wait to see him in action. <laughs> anyway, speaking of, of players that we're going to have to kind of get an idea on, Cesar Ruiz 
the Saints declined his fifth year option. It was the deadline was May 1st. They waited until the deadline to announce it. They made this decision weeks ago. And we know that because Mickey told us. Right. Um, saw a lot of people reacting to that news saying the draft class is a bust. Good. He doesn't deserve it. This and that. What people need to appreciate is because he's played so much, his fifth year option is actually higher than it would be for some other rookies who might not have the playtime accrued because that's what happened in the, in the most recent CBA. They changed the fifth year option so that if you hit a certain playtime benchmark, you get a higher number. If you make a pro bowl, you get a higher number. So his fifth year option was going to cost the saints $14.75 million guaranteed in the 2024 season. So I don't think declining that is really an indicator that they have that they're that they're out on him that they don't plan to bring him back. I just think it's like this guy's coming off a major injury and you want to see him recover first and foremost and then you can sign him for you know I don't know what you would sign him for but you're definitely not signing Caesar Ruiz for 14 million dollars annually in a contract, right? <laughs> You're not signing him to what? What would that be? Three years, $42 million. No friggin' way. Like (laughs) you could sign him for three years, $30 million. That's still a heck of a contract for the guy and you can backload it. And it would only cost you $2 million in a season where suddenly have to pay Derek Carr a whole lot of money. So I I do think it's interesting that I don't know if it was ever really even in consideration for, for them to pick up because they'd made that decision pretty early on. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. No, I think obviously the initial reaction from fans is when you see that they're not picking up the option is immediately that they're moving on from the guy. Yeah, I think I think there's this kind of knee-jerk reaction of if you were good, they would have picked it up, right? Yeah. If you're bad, they won't pick it up. And, and that's not always the case. There is more to it than that. At, at the running back position, you're almost always going to pick that up because it's a low number, right? Like it's worth getting that fifth year on a first round running back because you're talking about $8 million just to keep that guy. And how many seasons does he have beyond that? Right. You know, for a safety where that number's a lot lower, it makes sense uh, for, but for an offensive lineman, it's really high for a quarterback. It's really high. Look at Daniel Jones. The giants didn't pick that contract up. Granted. I think they were considering moving on from him at that point. Um, I don't think that's necessarily where you're at with Caesar Ruiz, because if you were, seriously considering moving on from him, I think you would have been way more proactive in the draft about bringing in, like, like I think they really like Nick Saldaveri, but he's a right. fourth-round pick, right? If you have both of your offensive guards going into contract seasons, if you were planning on moving on from both of them, would you not have brought in depth there more, than, more so than a, a small school tackle that you're going to convert to guard? I don't right. know. That's a great point there because... Yeah, obviously there's questions, Ruiz, there's questions with Pete, and more and more just think, you know, the, the team's trying to build depth because we've seen how this O-line, uh, I, I joke and said, you know, they're, 
a starting offensive line might be as healthy as the Saints start. I mean, uh, the Pelicans starting five. We just never see it. At least over the last few years, yeah. And and you're betting on Trevor Penning. So I think this year, and, and obviously we've moved on from the fifth-year option, but I do think the way Cesar Ruiz played last year, if he gets back to that, I don't think he even necessarily has to take a step forward. If he can get healthy and play at the level he played at last year, I think you're extending him on a decent number. Not $14 million a year, but at a, at a decent number. And you do it before you hit free agency. I think what your plan is for this year is you're going to hope to go into week one with Trevor Penning as your starting left tackle. Right. You're hoping is for sure. Hoping. Huh. That's not a guarantee. He's got a bit steeper of a curve to get over than Ruiz does. Because if you recall, they had the same injury. They had, I, I don't know the severity of each relative to each other, but they both underwent surgery to repair it. So their timeline should be similar to each other. Now, Caesars happened at the end of week 15. Trevor's happened at the end of week 18. So Caesar will be about three weeks ahead. Granted, I don't know exactly when the surgeries happen, but he'll be about three weeks ahead in terms of a recovery timeline, which, you know, it's a, it's a month. It's a, almost a month. So if Caesar is kind of right on the fringe of being ready for training camp, which is kind of what it sounds like, then you might have a couple more weeks in the offing to get Trevor up to speed, which might be enough to make you a little hesitant about throwing him in there week one, in which case you do have James Hurst still under contract. Now, I think the ideal scenario would be you go into week one with Trevor Penning as your left tackle, and that would allow you to have James Hurst focus on left guard. Because I think what you want to do is have James Hurst be that backup left tackle, maybe starting left tackle, would definitely backup left guard behind Andres Pete. And then you will, will allow you to get Nick Saldaveri focused on right guard and be the backup right guard behind Cesar Ruiz because he's been a right tackle. He's a right-handed guy. You, I think you want to keep him on that side of the line. And that would give you very good depth, right? You'd still have Landon Young behind Ryan Ramchek. You would have Eric McCoy with Cesar Ruiz kind of being the backup center if you need him. Nick right. Saldaveri as your backup right guard. And then James Hurst as your backup left tackle and backup left guard. So I, I think that's where you're looking at. And, and if that's your plan, it kind of indicates, okay, Nick Saldaveri would be your starting maybe left guard. This time next season, you would try to convert him to that side. And then you're bringing back Cesar Ruiz, and that's kind of your line. Would be Penning, Saldaveri, McCoy, Ruiz, Ramchek going into next season. You feel good about it. But again, like I don't think dropping the like declining that fifth-year option is anything in terms of Caesar Ruiz isn't part of their future plan because I think he definitely is. How dare you just ignore Storm Norton and all of that? Oh, Storm Norton. <laughs> you know, for a guy I've never heard of, he gets so much hate on the internet. He, oh, I thought you were going to say he similar. gets love because of his name, but it's hate, huh? Well, I mean, his name his name is fun. But like, yeah. he comes in with a similar rep as like Daniel Sorensen last year, where like Daniel Sorensen came, like they signed Daniel Sorensen and it was immediately like Chiefs fans laughing at the Saints. Because right, he was bad. Right. They were, I do recall, and everyone's like, good, take him. And it's like, well, if he's on the field, he's getting thrown at kind of thing. He actually played pretty well. Um, right. Two picks. Yeah. Uh, he was tied for the team lead. <laughs> and then Storm Norton is the kind of the same. He's coming from the Chargers. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from him. No, yeah, that's a big question. But yeah, one of those early candidates for best name on the roster. Yes. 
Um, the other thing I want to mention before we go into the second segment here, the Saints signed one more UDFA on the list. We went through the list of 11. I'm sorry, we went, went, went through the list of 12 in the last episode. And since then, they have also signed Montana wide receiver, but more importantly, kick return specialist Malik Flowers. And this actually fills something that I've been kind of projecting for a little while now in that I think you're going into this season hoping that Rashid Shahid is a more incorporated part of your regular offense. He's no longer going to be kind of this on and off guy where you're only going to him in certain situations. Like I think you're going to want to incorporate him across the board, which means you don't want to overload him as the return guy. So I think a guy like Malik Flowers, you bring in in the same way you brought in Rashid Shahid last year, where you're probably going to stash him on the practice squad to begin the season, but he could very much work his way into the system. So uh, I, I am interested. He tied Rashid Shahid's college record of, of kick return touchdowns, but I believe seven. So he's going to be an interesting guy to watch because like this time last year, I was saying, Hey, let's, let's keep an eye on Rashid Shahid. He's going to be interesting. I think Malik flowers is that guy this year. Yeah. Cause I mean, honestly, I can't say I, I've watched a minute of any no. Montana football games, Why would uh, you? <laughs> but, 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 but so, so interested obviously to see what the saints have mined here because yeah, we, we saw that success they had with a guy like Shahid last year and yeah, it'll be interesting to see too if this is one of those kind of guys they're trying to stash and leave leave behind so other teams aren't too aware of him. But man, we 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 saw it early on. The the guy touched the ball. What was it? His first two touches in the NFL were touchdowns, a rushing so, touchdown or receiving touchdown. Right. It was um, like, please get him the ball more. And and I I agree. It's like it's pretty evident that it's like you you have to find a way to get this guy more touches in your offense, not just special teams. Yeah, and so Malik, I think, you know, we, we t- when we talked about Rashid last year, I think he did have a bit more in terms of receiving chops than Malik. Malik is very much a return specialist. He played in, he appeared in 52 games for Montana, which is kind of a crazy amount of games when you think about it for college, where you play like 11, 12, 13 games a season. He appeared in 52 games. He had 51 catches for 716 yards and four touchdowns. So, I mean, it's it's an average... It's it's less than one catch a game he's averaging. He also ran the ball 16 times for 251 yards and a touchdown. So I think he was more of a gadget guy in that offense. So I don't. I think he is very much a return specialist in whatever role they are bringing in to try to do. I was going to say, um, oh, he averages a catch a game. Sounds like someone else I know, Traquan. I don't know if he does even average a catch a game. <laughs> if he averages a catch a game, it's because that one game against the Eagles where he caught the ball like 10 times uh, right. brings it up. But... Wow. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be a guy to watch. It's easy to forget, you know, Marquez Callaway, he didn't really do a ton last year, but he was kind of your backup returner. And you do have to have that guy, right? right? Like what when your main returner goes down and you have to send somebody else out there, it's like you're not even asking them to to make a play. You're just like, <laughs> don't don't turn it over. Yeah. Right? Like it's a, it's a skill. It's a specialized skill. It's like if your long snapper gets hurt, you're just like, oh, God, please, just don't snap it over the kicker's head. If all else fails, give it to Taysom. Yes, that is the <laughs> – well, I, there's this fantasy idiot on the internet who's like, oh, he shouldn't have a job on your team, blah, 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 blah. Are I'm you like, crazy? Well, it's like he just does so many things that no one else wants to do. 
Right. Like be the be the emergency return guy. To play me, special teams. To me, Taysom Hill should definitely have every roster spot. I don't care. It's funny because his his logic is you're wasting a roster spot on him, but in reality, you are saving like three roster spots by having him because you don't have to have emergency quarterbacks on the roster. You don't like you can yeah. like Jake Hayner's probably going to be inactive for most of the games next year because you don't really need your third string quarterback to be active and you have Taysom Hill. So he can be your emergency quarterback while also serving another role. Whereas Jay Kaner would only be your emergency quarterback. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. Cause you would think though, too, you'd want to get the young guy that on the field game day experience, but yeah, well, I mean, I mean he'll be there. He just won't be active. He, uh, right. Exactly. I just, you know, thinking about, it, I guess he could still have the headset or something. Yeah. Uh, He'll uh, be like yeah. an assistant coach. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and I will say, uh, obviously. He'll play during the preseason. You saw, you saw that too, though. J- Jameis was really great at that as being the assistant coach on the sideline during last season. Yeah. Yes, I agree with that. All right, that's all I got for that segment. We're going to come back, and I'm going to hit you with that Cam Jordan interview. It's about 15 minutes long. I really enjoy it. I love talking to Cam. Cam is one of the most fun people to talk to. Uh, even over Zoom, like Zooms are always like super impersonal, but he's so much fun to talk to. So we're going to come back. We're going to play that interview for you. Stick around. This is Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, make sure to do that. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Hoot out. Let's go. Like and subscribe. Subscribe.